0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, I'm Scott Sashnik
1: and I'm Evan Noby Williams, and this is the Go Dog Sick'em Sports Business Podcast, the Sportercast.
0: Didn't even get a smile out of Josh. I mean, you got <laughs> Eben giving me this go dog sickum. And I, he did this Duval thing a couple of weeks ago when we were talking to Tony Khan. And I, I, I'm i not a Jaguar fan. I thought it was a wrestling thing. And they're both <laughs> making fun of me. I didn't know it was a Jacksonville Jaguars chant. What do I know?
1: I thought about barking as well at the end there, but I decided, uh, decided not to. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, think, I, I think I'm still sleep deprived, so... Uh, I apologize for, for lack of <laughs> facial expression.
1: <laughs> well, why would you be
0: sleep-deprived, Josh? Has there been something going on around the Georgia uh, Athletic Department in the last few days? I mean, what, what what could that possibly be, sir?
2: Just a little travel, just a little West Coast travel and back, nothing too big.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, so we want to start with the basketball team, right? How's March Madness looking <laughs> in, in Georgia basketball? No, I, I kid. Obviously, congratulations. Uh, back-to-back national championships. And I'm just like, I'm so programmed. As sort of your your northerner college football fan follower, like you know that Alabama wins, like you've you've disrupted this whole thing, Joshua. Uh, if I can go thirty thousand foot view and then we'll sort of you know dive down here, how did you do this?
2: Well, uh, you know, obviously I play a small role in this process, but I think it you know it all starts with alignment of president, AD, head coach, and everybody and everybody at the university. And I think uh, the first kudos goes to Greg McGarity for making the hire of uh, Coach Smart, and then. Greg and President Moore working together, and then again alignment with with Coach Smart, and then I just try to pick up where Greg left off. And I think when you've got that alignment between the president, AD, head coach, um, and you got that buy-in, everybody pushed in the same direction, it it's amazing what can happen. And then and then I think that mentality is is bled throughout our athletic department. Whether you're a custodian, a student worker, or anyone in the department that believes and and is constantly has that attitude of trying to get better it's amazing what, what can happen.
0: That sounds like from a business perspective, it's the culture, right? And they say culture comes from the top. How do you instill that culture? It's one thing people can, they have a lot of mottos, a lot of sayings, but how do you really get that culture to permeate an entire department as you just described?
2: I think yeah, you do the best you can to model it. And I think Kirby uh, deserves the credit because he models it first. I mean, there's no one that's going to outwork him in this department. And I think when you see your head football coach modeling that, then it inspires all of us to do more and work harder. Like we know that he's not, I guarantee he's back at it today, um, full go. And right. So that's, that's the mindset we all have is that, okay, what can we do better and, you know, not get caught up into the, you know, you want to celebrate and you want to enjoy these moments, but at the same time, when you model that, when we all go back to work, I think it starts, it starts at the top and when when people see the head coach going that way and the assistant coaches and the ad and their staff and the student athletes it just starts it just starts expanding from there and then before you know it everyone everyone buys in but at the same time what we try to do and from my end is you try to reward those individuals that work so hard right so whenever we could thank everyone in the building with you know last year one of the big things we did was we got anyone in the department who had any impact on football got a national championship ring so you want to make everyone feel a part of it. If we're going to ask one to do the work, that they get rewarded as part of it as well. And I think that mentality is really uh, is.
0: Now, you okay. mentioned the janitor. Does that include? The, does the janitor get? The, you know, whether it's at the football facility that national championship rings also.
2: That's correct. Yeah. So anyone that had anything to do that that worked at all that touch football um, got a ring last year, and that was important. You know, I think moments like that you have to not get caught up in the cost of business, but you. You gotta think about the the return and what that can do to morale and, and individuals, and you know, because we're asking everyone to to buy in and keep keep getting better and finding ways to do things better and, and work long hours and do things. So you want to be able to do those rewards when you can.
1: How many people is that? Do you, do you know
2: who? It was over. it was probably over. Hmm, probably a couple hundred. I mean, when you think about people in the department, um, but it, it was extensive list, but it was important.
1: Yeah. So, so we talk a lot to professional sports executives, and oftentimes we're asking them about championships that they've won and, and, and the impact that has business-wise on, on their operations. And a lot of times the the, the business impact is, is, is maybe not that big. It's a little boost in merchandise when, when you win and, and, and ticket sales the following year. I get the sense, and correct me if I'm wrong, that in college it's a little bit different. I would imagine the business ramifications for you guys over the past two years being now back-to-back college football championships, that that reverberates across the entire Georgia athletic department to walk us through the, what, what the impact, what, what these wins, what this lets you do that might not have been available if you just had a really good 11 and two football team for two straight years.
2: Yeah, it, it's actually, um, it's so layered with, with complexities when you really try to break it down. Um, obviously when you, when you go to games like this, it's, it's really expensive to travel to LA because <laughs> you're going to take a lot of your staff, student athletes, you're going to take the band, um, so just flying out there alone is the massive expenses that go with it.
1: You had a short trip in the in the semifinal, yes, to Atlanta, and then a long trip in the final. petty cab
0: <laughs> in the semifinal, and, and you're yeah, flying out across the country for the for the they championship. Had a
2: greater dichotomy of of, uh, of travel, but you know, and then there's two categorical ways to look at uh, revenue. There's the direct return and the indirect return, right? So there's direct return when you talk about. Uh, the impact on next year's season ticket sales, which we always we've sold out every year, so that's not going to be really too much of a, a tick mark move up because we've consistently had sellouts there. Uh, but you'll see spikes in merchandising. Um, the more you know, when we play in a semifinal, final, there's going to be some uh, some MMR categorical things that will get some boost uh, built in contract for for having more chances to to do that. Um, and then there's going to be some other stuff, but the bigger thing for me is always the indirect return on investment, right? You're establishing a fan base of, you you know, thinking big picture, you can think of a 10 year old, a 15 year old, a eight year old who are now have experienced two years of this, who now you would think are diehard Georgia fans that are going to want to go to Georgia. They're going to want to be season ticket holders 10, 20 years from now. So it's establishing um, this fan base and in this, this longevity that's going to buy you, you know, fans for a long time. So I think the indirect return on investment is actually greater. So you can't, when from my chair, you can't get caught up into, well, if I spend this, will we make this? Like You can't get too caught up in those weeds. You've got to think well, what's better for the long term, right? So doing it the right way and doing it first class is going to lead us to, to greater returns long term.
0: All right, Josh, I'm going to ask for a little honesty here. Is there even a little bit, you know, bouncing around in the medulla oblongata back there that says that 10-year-old is now expecting this like doesn't really understand how hard this is, <laughs> and is now expecting championships every year. And if you don't deliver, they're like, "Oh man, you know, maybe I'm onto something else."
2: Yeah, I mean, look, that's always a part of the, of success. And um, as Coach Smart said, it doesn't get any easier; it gets tougher. Um, but these are the expectations that that we want to have that you to, that you want people to have. Um, but at the same time, you you know, hell, just understanding how it is to win an SEC championship is, is difficult. So. Um, that's, I guess that's part of the, uh, you know, part of the, that comes with success, but, you know, from my mindset, I don't get caught up in thinking about, you know, where we're going to be next year. I just think about, I know this sounds cliche, but i focus on day to day to day. And then when you look up when it's all said and done. Um, you have great results, but if you get too caught ahead, looking at trying to disappoint, like you know, what is that ten-year-old going to think a year from now? Two years, you're going you know, to drive yourself crazy. But really, focus on today. What can I do today to get better? What can I do tomorrow? You know, that's where our focus remains.
1: To that point, for, from a from a workflow pl- workflow standpoint, for you, obviously, you guys have a lot of sports that are that are not football. Is, is there ever a time when, when football is not priority number one? Do, do you get some time off after a, a, after early January? Or is the football team the biggest priority in, in February, just like it is in... There's in only two
0: seasons, Eben, football and spring football. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you know, we, uh, obviously, uh, this is the time that it really ramps up in a whole different way. You know, in football season, it's pretty intense. The home games are, are, are very intense, obviously. And then I'm traveling with the team on road games. But in the spring is when we have the majority of our teams competing. So we've got I've got them going to a track meet this Friday on the road. Um, I'm going to go to that meet, and then we're going to start up with tennis and baseball and softball and gymnastics and and equestrians continue to go swimming. Down. So the the number of sports dramatically goes up. So it takes up a lot of time. Now I will try to find a week in February to get away because. You go so long in this process because, you know, you do get Christmas break, but your Christmas break is at a bowl site. And while it's phenomenal to be at a bowl site during your Christmas break, it's not really any time where you can decompress. So you really, from the start of the season in September to now, we've just been going full go. So um, we've got a celebration planned for the Saturday. Obviously, like I said, spring sports getting started but I will take a week in February where I can hopefully just get away and and decompress.
1: So you mentioned a number of those other teams, obviously people very familiar with Georgia football, the success. I think a lot of our listeners also understand the way that men's basketball, particularly around payouts and the NCAA makes money besides those two programs. What what else do you guys have that, that has done really well, successful from a, from a business standpoint, walk us through kind of the business opportunities you see outside of just, just the big two revenue ones.
2: Yeah. I think if you look at it, um, from a revenue standpoint, you know, for us, the other ticketed events are gymnastics, baseball, um, and women's basketball, aside from men's basketball football. So those are our five big core ticketed events. And, you know, I really – and we've got some other numbers baked in with our SEC agreement television rights that you can kind of attribute to volleyball and soccer and softball because they air so many of their games. Um, but – when you look at all the sports, I really don't think of them as more or less what kind of revenue I can get them. I think about making them the best they can, and, and that's the, the revenue will come with it. That's a byproduct; it's not the main focus. Um, but you know, the first priority with all those sports is getting people in the venue um, and supporting our teams and and making it, you know creating a home filled atmosphere. But but yeah, those are the four big ticketed events for us.
0: We're chatting with Josh Brooks, the AD at Georgia, back-to-back national championships, of course. Uh, Josh, I believe that Georgia football was 11th in ticket revenue last season. And, and you said, hey, we're always sold out. I get it. So there's only really other one way to generate more revenue out of tickets, and that would be to charge more money. Uh, are you hesitant to do that? Or what's the plan in terms of pricing? Usually people want to be associated with success, so they don't mind paying a little bit more if you're winning.
2: Yeah, that, that's something we're always going to keep an eye on. Uh, we want to be mindful of of the donors and their support, but it's something we've always got to keep an eye on and see how we are, um, and relative to our peers. And not only that, and people always think it's just about raising costs, but it's also for me, it's a little bit more about taking a long look and seeing if we have it priced right from not only the best seats, maybe, maybe, maybe too cheap, but our, um, I don't say worst seats, but our, our seats that are farthest from the field or highest up, are they, are they fairly priced as well? So that's something we always keep an eye on, um, and that's something I've, I've I've started to evaluate and looking toward the future. Um, we're working through some we're working through some studies on basketball right now, um, but nothing final. But that's something as an AD, you've always got to keep your finger on the pulse of. Again, not just from where can you increase revenue, but also. Do we have it fairly priced in every section of the stadium or arena as well?
1: We had Gary Stokin on the show two weeks ago, and he said that the uh, that, that you Georgia playing in in the Peach Bowl was a hotter ticket than Taylor Swift.
2: Uh, <laughs> and, he, and he had
1: tried to get I didn't Taylor believe Swift him tickets because as well. I have tried to get Taylor <laughs> Swift tickets. <laughs> um, so so he he also understood the uh, kind of the push and pull of kind of measuring demand with also trying to make sure you're being as fair as possible. I think too. To to the people that maybe don't have a lot of money, but obviously also yeah, love Georgia why, and want to see him play.
2: That's why we um a couple of years ago we 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 came up with a core list of uh, concession items that would be family friendly pricing because we've got to always keep in mind um that family that can only afford to come to one game a year that maybe they bought their tickets on the secondary market or maybe their work gave them four or five tickets and this is their one chance a year. So we it's you know corny, but we came up with hot dogs, popcorn, candy, soda, and water all reasonably priced. The four
0: dogs. food groups, you got them all.
2: Yeah, so hot dogs $2. <laughs> 250, popcorn, two bucks, bottle water, two bucks, soda 250, and candy two bucks. So with that mindset, you would think that a family of four could come in and spend 20 bucks and get something for everybody for the family. And that was important for me for you know the the, the fan that's not the big time donor that may have a family of four to hey, in
0: Evan, what's up with Georgia? Arthur Blank does this, of course, the community pricing at yeah, Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the soccer. What's up with Georgia? You guys seem to get it. What's this focus on the family <laughs> business? I'm not sure the other folks, you know, leveraging sports business are going to be so happy with you guys.
2: Well, when you think about it, though, concessions is approximately 1% of our overall revenue. Uh, so if I were to tell any business that I'm going to cut your 1% revenue to maybe 0.5%, you know, or 50% of what normally is, right? your happiness index of your fans is going to go up by 25 or 30 percent um most would do it right i mean i it, so it, it's just a to me you can't look to try to make a buck every single categorical item with your fans we're already asking them to donate we're asking them to buy tickets uh sometimes they have to pay for parking or pay a certain amount to get the parking um pay a lot for merchandise so this is one small area we can help make the experience a little better
1: Right before you came on, Scott and I were looking through your bio on the on the UGA website, and it mentioned bringing Zaxby's ice to the football games, and I thought it was ice cream. I thought it was a typo, and then I looked it up and, and learned that there is a cult following for Zaxby's ice cubes yeah. and that that was something that you guys prioritized at some point as well.
0: Hey, when, when I get a good ice cube, i got to tell you, my happiness quotient goes up.
2: Well, it's funny because there was this long, um, many years, this rant about the ice at Sanford stadium, not being great ice. And it there was even funny jokes about it smelling bad or this or that. And, you know, and we were even after years later, we were bringing in outside ice, but they still wouldn't believe it. Right. You, you could never <laughs> get over. So we had to dramatically change that to change, to change the mindset. And I said, what better way to do it than to partner with a local, um, you know, local restaurant that has ice that people love. So it was just, it was a, just a natural partnership. And I said, Hey, no one's ever really, you know, categorized ice as a sponsorship category. We can do something unique and and uh, and make the experience a little better at the same time. Literal cold hard cash.
1: I love that. Yeah, you're bringing in money and also shedding a uh, stigma about a about a product at your stadium. Two for one.
0: <laughs> yeah, now, Josh, I think you and I are like minded in in one thing here. You were talking about you can't just count on winning whatever, and I I try to sell this to to professional sports team owners all the time. If you're just pushing your success, if, if the business model depends on success, I think you're in for disappointment. You have to have a, an excellent you can promise experience. You can promise fun and entertaining experience. And you're a big, big game day experience guy. If I'm blindfolded and outside, you know, and, and you drop me in the middle of Sanford Stadium, how do I know that I'm at a Georgia football game and I'm not at LSU, I'm not at Alabama? Um, I'm not at my alma mater, Syracuse, besides the fact that, you know, there's like not a lot of people there. They don't score a <laughs> you, lot of points. You know that one. Other than that, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, how do I know that this is Georgia and there is a differentiating experience when you buy your ticket and come within these walls?
2: Yeah. So, so we try to hit that from a, a few different points and and I've tried to steal a lot from organizations like Chick-fil-A and Disney. Um, the first thing we're going to try to do is we've got a group called the silver dogs, the very first thing that when you come to our stadium, and if you're new, um, is someone's there to help you, and they're they're looking for people who may be lost or maybe new to the stadium to say, "Hey, you look new, you look lost. Can I help you? Where your seat is? Can I direct you the best pathway? Is there anything we can help with?" That's the first layer. Ingress egress. I love it. Yeah, and, and we're also going to um, even for the fans that are longtime fans, we're going to communicate heavily the week of about, "Hey, reminders." We've seen heavy gate flow at this area. There's some other gates that you may want to try. And, let, and And here's your recommended gate usage for where you sit. You can get in any gate with any ticket, but if you sit in section you know, uh, 107, we recommend going in gate 4A or 3 as opposed to 2 because we know two too crowded. So we're going to try to educate on the front end. We've got the Silver Dogs that will help. We're going to try to put on you know, we, – we've got the family-friendly pricing. We're going to uh, try to have the cl- you know cleanest restrooms in the in, in in the country. We have a, a custodian assigned to every single restroom. Smell. probably been blindfolded. Smell is one of the most powerful senses. So we're going to try to, you know, with air freshener and keeping it clean, make that experience as best it can be.
0: What what is the olfactory scent? If I, if I close my eyes, like if there's a candle and it's Georgia Sanford Stadium candle, what's that scent?
2: Well, we we've kind of gone back and forth and tested a few out. I'm a little um, biased toward that gain laundry smell. So that's the one I try to pump in a lot of areas. That's probably tested better than most that we've done. You don't want to, you know, if you go too, too much fragrance, it, it smells like you're trying to cover something up. So you never want to go too much. So the gain fresh is the one I've leaned towards. And I know I'm really getting the weeds now, but
1: what does but that testing look like? So I kind of want to stay I in love, the weeds. Knew yeah. that? This is part of what you're doing. I love
2: this. We, um, so we, we work with a group called happy or not. We put in a, f- a few years ago, with, if you've been to Atlanta airport, you've seen those little smiley face um, and frowny face kind of quick buttons. survey. Yeah. Not, you know, cause we've learned that um, in my, in my time, I've learned that if I send out a 20 question survey, the only people that are going to fill it out are people that are upset. <laughs> but if I can have a one question, instant response at concessions and restrooms, that's just a happy face, a medium face and a frowny face and let us know how we're doing then we can establish, over time, we've established baselines where we know where the standard is, so then we can, so we know what the standard you know, score is on most of our restrooms, right? So then once we've established that after a couple of years, then we can go in and tweak one thing about that restroom and do it for a couple of games and see if the needle moves up or down. Um, and and we found that uh, one thing we're looking into is adding the radio feed to restrooms. I was
0: and, just going to say, do you broadcast the game in the restroom?
2: We don't right now, and that's something we're looking to do in the offseason, because we found that 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 will positively impact scores. Um, you know, and again, we tested different smells and, and how much you want to do it, to, which ones would move the needle. It didn't move the needle as much as I hoped it would again, because sometimes maybe people are assuming that when there's too much air freshener, if you're trying to just cover up a, something. So, but, but when you want to establish that baseline, then you could tweak things and see what moves the needle positively or negatively. So, um, you know, I always say data is king. You can, you can guess all day, but until you have the data, you really, you're just guessing, you know?
0: Yeah. We, the, we our uh, old employer, Mike Bloomberg has a great saying in God, we trust everybody else bring data. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, It's true. You cool. mentioned Disney. I'm curious. Uh, I think, I don't think a lot of people know this, that one of the business offshoots of the Walt Disney company is sort of their hospitality, yeah. uh, division where I know a lot of professional sports teams send their personnel for training. Do you guys utilize that service?
2: I have worked closely with their group, but we have not done a mass training. Um, I was gonna do it and then COVID hit and that was a time where everybody was trying to get their budgets straight down and what didn't feel like a great time to, to do that expense, but it's something I'm probably gonna do in the near future um, because again, I'm a big fan of Disney I like the way they do things, but we've incorporated a lot of those principles into what we do. So um, you know so if we get a complaint uh, on Sunday after a home game, whether it was something in like concessions or ticketing, anger, or whatever, we try to one up the experience of, of, you know, how can we make, not only let's take a negative and turn it into an extreme positive. That way that person will then the story they tell is about how UGA made it up to me, you know, because oftentimes if you leave them upset, they're going to tell hundred people that negative story. well We want to try to flip it with, with them most of the time. And people say, well, aren't you afraid if you do that, that people are going to try to take advantage of you and make up a fake story. <laughs> I, you know, I'd rather lose that way and get taken advantage of than ignore complaints and just and, and be a skeptic. You it's know? Simple,
0: simple to win. Just give them some attention. I think that gets your win because it's such a differentiator right now.
2: Yeah. And I think a personal email, a personal call sometimes, um, sometimes even from me or someone on my senior staff to just say, Hey, I get it. I'm listening. And if you're honest and say, guess what? We failed or we can do better and not try to make up an excuse. Um, sometimes they just want to know that you're listening and that goes a long way. Again, we're not perfect. I I never claim to be perfect. We're, we're seating 92,000 people plus in a venue that's coming up on a hundred years old. So, um, you know, it's going to be a challenge, right? I I can't, it's not SoFi stadium. It's not Mercedes Benz. You know, if if I could start from scratch, of course I would, my points of sale will be more. My restroom count will be higher. My concourses will be wider, but, um we don't have those perfect fixes and our, and our stadium's right in the middle of campus, which makes it extremely special, but it also makes it challenging in terms of parking and and in or here. So you take the good with the bad and you keep making it the best you can.
0: All right, sounds like Fenway Park, the good and the bad. So what they did is sort of you know got some real estate around it and figured out a way to make it a cash register what 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 are we thinking here at the University of Georgia? Anything like that?
2: Yeah, we don't really have any real estate because um, we've got a road on one side and then we've got, little campus buildings uh, surrounding the rest of the stadium. But we've started a project this, this off season that's already underway. We're taking the South 100 concourse, which is the the oldest concourse in the venue and basically blowing out the concessions and restrooms and essentially doubling the width of that concourse and building new restrooms, concessions on the outer parts and it basically encapsulating more um, of the stadium, creating a, you know, encapsulating the bridge, which will then open up more areas. So those are some things we can do. And, and and these things are never cheap, but they're important again, um, for the experience. That's the first thing we're doing right now.
1: Josh, I want to ask you about two major changes to, to the college athlete experience, especially for college football players in the past two years, being able to make money off of name image and likeness and, and, and much looser transfer rules, uh, which have dramatically changed what what it means to be a football player at Georgia or any of the other top programs around the country, for, from your seat and your perspective, how have those two things affected your business? Are you focusing more on retention of current students? Are you focusing more on recruiting other team students, NIL opportunities? From a business standpoint, what have those two things meant for the business of running Georgia's athletic department?
2: Yeah, so we, we put a lot of emphasis on supporting our the, the collective here in Athens, the Classic City Collective that we work in in a, in collaboration with. Um, we have Matt Hibbs, who runs it, who is former compliance officer in our building, um, who has got a lot of experience, in, that's, and we—that's good we,
1: background for that role.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we—we we know we can trust him to do it the right way, right? Not not take shortcuts or not tamper or do anything. But he
0: technically is not a university employee, right? Not, okay. he, is,
2: he is not. No. Okay. Um, and that's a clear delineation within the rules. He's not an employee, but he's someone we can trust um, who's running the collective. But what we do is we will encourage those donors and whoever else to donate to the collective to help create opportunities. We're never going to tamper. We're never going to induce anyone to come here. But if we can do a good enough job with our collective to get our current student athletes opportunities, then those potential recruits will see that and say there are opportunities at Georgia. So that's our that essentially is our pitch is to say, look at player A, B, C, D, E. Look at look at the opportunities they have. You come here. This is what's possible. Again, we'll never promise or induce or tamper, but um, you want to have those deals as, a, as an example.
1: And if I'm a, let's say I'm a very wealthy Georgia Bulldogs fan. And I call you up and I say, Josh, I've got $5 million here. I want to give it to Georgia football in some capacity. Would you rather me give that to the collective? Would you rather me give that to you, the school for capital projects or, or for funding? W- what dollar goes the furthest if I am a fan and I just really want to maximize the value of what I'm doing for the Georgia football team?
2: Yeah, so the first thing I, we, we tell them in situations is, is we ask them what their priorities and their needs are, right? So um, we, if they give to the collective, we are not allowed to give them any benefits or points uh, for seating, right? So they understand that when they give to the collective, it's more of a, an opportunity to, to either sponsor their business or, or something of that nature, um, or it's just going to support the collective. So I would make sure that your priorities are met in terms of, of if you need points first hey, what do you need to maintain your seating or move it up? Let's get that taken care of first. And then from there, we'd love to you to give to the collective as well. So it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a hybrid approach and it depends on the individual and where they're at in terms of are they comfortable and happy where their seats are now and they've given enough to be at a good place. Um, but we're always going to encourage that. Um, but we also have to support the collective as well. So you're, you're kind of, Hedging a little bit, but then really finding out where their priorities are first. But we have to support the sports collective.
1: Does it surprise? Like if, if if I told you three years ago that that, that ADs at, the AD at Georgia would be encouraging some donors to, to to maybe not give to the school, but but to give to another business that is supporting the the, the team in another way, it's, it, it would that have shocked you? It seems interesting to me that that they're at, and I've talked to a number of them a number of athletic directors that, that yeah, are, are often encouraging as you're talking about, encouraging their donors to give elsewhere instead of to the school, which feels like it would have been unheard of a few years ago.
2: Yeah. I can't say I would have been able to predict this uh, three years ago, a year ago, maybe. Um, but not, not three years ago, it's definitely a new world. And, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the recruit recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. So, you know, you, you take care of that first and you do what's you do what's needed to, to put us in a position where recruits, you know, want to come to the school, then again, talk about indirect return on investment, then championships can happen and and the benefits can come on the back end. So again, you can't just look for a direct return, but the indirect return support the collective, collective provides opportunities. Kids see it. Kids want to come to Georgia and then good things will happen.
1: We have a database of all the public big universities in in, in the country and, and how they're spending their money in athletics. And if you sort it by recruiting for football, over the past five years, this probably won't surprise you, no public school has spent more on football recruiting in the past five years than, than Georgia has. Has that been a specific priority for yours? Does that come from Kirby? Is that just the cost of doing business? I'm curious kind of how, how Georgia got to that point and, and, and how direct a, a goal that was.
2: Yeah, I think that that part was when, I think when Greg hired Kirby, Kirby laid out a vision of, of what he needed to do to be successful and recruiting was a big part of that. And I think that I'm a big believer in that, right? I'm a former football coach. Obviously I don't do that anymore. I wasn't very good. So that's why I moved into administration, but, um, I'm a big believer in recruiting. And, and for me, it's, you know, I look at it as when I recruit a coach, what does it take for me to recruit a coach? So I understand the coach's mindset of what do they need to do to recruit a student athlete? Because I learned a long time ago, their coaches are a lot better when they've got great student athletes. And I've learned I'm a much better AD when I've got good coaches. So, um, it all it all starts with recruiting whether you're recruiting a student athlete or I'm recruiting a coach so um, there is an emphasis there from a, a spending standpoint on making sure we have first-class operation and recruiting
0: all right selfish question when are you gonna have an ice hockey program you know my son is 13 top-tier player I got a goaltender you know he,
2: he looks good and red we have a phenomenal club team here the ice dogs that I think uh, would be a great opportunity for them. I love us supporting those guys not a not under our umbrella but but uh, nonetheless a great program here in Athens. All
0: right, we're going to end on this one because everybody now knows about the excellence of the football program, but you've delivered two national titles during your tenure. You know, you've got football, I mean in sport football, and the other one's in equestrian. Right. What do we need to know about the equestrian program at, at Georgia? Again, I mentioned Mike Bloomberg earlier. and his, his daughter, Georgina, is a big equestrian. A lot of professional sports team owners. Frank McCourt's daughter, equestrian. You know, uh, I want to know, how, how do we tap into that pipeline and get the best of the best?
2: Well, w- we, we've got a phenomenal program here. And again, that predates me as well. Um, Coach McGonaghan has just been a rock star in the field. She started the program. I mean, she she's just phenomenal and I think we've got a great group of assistant coaches great group of young ladies and uh it's you know it's a program that you can always count to be in the top five top four um and I think they'll have a chance to make it running again this year um but you know again all starts with what I said earlier, it starts with recruiting and and we have a great group and I'm excited for that group but but you know <clears throat> we got some other programs and we've had tradition and success here whether we're talking about tennis or or golf or track and field and some others so we're excited to see some, some of these spring sports get going and see, and, uh, see who, who could be next on the list.
1: we got to have some friendly competition here between the football and equestrian teams. If they go back-to-back back as well, then it's who can get the third one and
2: yeah. and so on.
0: <laughs> I was just disappointed that Ugga didn't make the trip, by the way. I'm not happy with this.
2: <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, I think they, we always are respectful of the the owners of Ugga and we'll do whatever we need them, you know, whatever they want us to do to, to get him around, but you know, it is a tough trip uh, to make it that far, but but, uh, but I know he was there with us in spirit.
0: I hope he gets a special bone or something when you win. Like, there's got to be some sort of treat for him, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe a, a big old cheeseburger or something.
0: <laughs> and some good ice. Hey, Josh Brooks, AD at Georgia. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Appreciate y'all. All right, Evan. I mean, not just successful on the field, but when, when you talk to somebody like Josh, and I just sort of see the approach to the whole thing. And I don't know, you know, I don't know anything about Georgia football, but I'm not, I I can honestly say now I'm not surprised with the approach and the attention to detail. It mirrors a lot of the successful professional sports executives that I talk to on a regular basis, that attention to detail, that, that treat the customer, that respond, make it a personal touch, no, no, no stone unturned, the smell of the stadium. I am not surprised that this organization is having success.
1: Yeah, I wonder how many big time, big Power Five ads know what the smell is in the bathroom of their stadium specifically, and, or, or and or what kind they of do ice, it, good, <laughs> and, and and what kind of ice they're serving at the stadium. It, it, Josh has a level of granularity there that that you're right, I think gives a really interesting insight into in, into what his job looks like and 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 why one of the reasons why George has probably been so successful at it. Another thing that stood out to me. Scott, and and he laid it out really well, the the idea behind pricing concessions properly, the the, the dichotomy between the amount of money that it actually brings in versus the, the amount of goodwill you get. And this is exactly the argument you brought it up, exactly the argument that Arthur Blank gave a couple of years ago, the owner of the Falcons, when he uh, took a took a lead in this in this role of of limiting concession prices, but it makes so much sense that that for shaving a little bit of money off your revenue, you get so much back in goodwill. Uh, and I do think that at some point, there's going to be more people that catch on to the Arthur and Josh way of thinking about this, even though it's been slower than I've thought it would have been, uh, given the Falcons did that five or six years ago.
0: Now, everybody should know that I really want to play us out with a little Charlie Daniels band, Devil Went Down to Georgia. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, again producer Matt Whitehurst says we can't play the music you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, darn copyright rules <laughs> yeah a little copyright
0: rule you know uh, I, I, I wish we could Devil went down to Georgia, was looking to make a deal. he was in a mind he was way behind he was looking to make a deal you know but Eddie if you want to you know jumped across your hickory some said boy let me tell you what anyway that was me and my devil went down to Georgia uh, he is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams I'm Scott Sosnick on Twitter at Sosnick the aforementioned Matt Whitehurst thank you very much for all you do uh, digital media editors core development. she loves it when I remember You that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.
2: It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
0: 18 plus.